Football season's right around the corner, entering single-digit days. Basketball season, not too far behind. David Eichel here, the Swarmcast, along with Sean Bach. Sean, uh, it, it feels good to finally, you know, really get near uh, covering some live action. It's been long overdue uh, since this has happened, but uh, I'm feeling f- feeling pretty good right now, Sean. About uh, by the way, everything's working out. Today's the first official day for Iowa basketball practice. We'll dive into that, and uh, we'll just banter about football. Uh, it feels good to actually have something to. I, I, I want to say meaningful to talk about, Sean. But you catch my drift. What I mean by that, right? Like it's actually going to be tangible uh, in ten days. Iowa football is coming back. Yeah, I mean, high school football has been fun to cover, too, like here and there. Like, I, I love doing it, but really I think with our jobs, there's nothing like covering like college football and just the team aspect, media availabilities, um, just analyzing everything, like overreacting to everything. Same thing with basketball, too. You start to see some of these basketball podcasts come out, these like previews, and you're kind of like, oh, crap, like we have a season coming up. Like it feels like – it honestly feels like it's like August, September right now, like yeah. the normal year. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's just like it's just weird. Like it, I to me, like it doesn't feel like October at all. Like, and I think that's just because yeah. my internal clock's been or calendar's been thrown off because of all this stuff that's happened with COVID and just the schedule moving. So it's nice to kind of see things coming back to normal. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been good. It's been good. I'm excited for talking today about everything going on and just ready to get going with the season. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Sean, my internal calendar is just kind of messed up. I mean, there was that stretch, I think at the beginning of the, the lockdown and everything, Sean, where everything just sort of felt like one long day. I literally just stopped keeping track about what day it was because it was get up, do the same thing regardless, you know, cause a lot of people weren't leaving their houses and whatnot. Uh, but no, it, it feels awesome that 10 days from now, we're going to have a live Iowa, uh, Hawkeye football game. Uh, so let, let's just dive into that too. And Sean, I kind of want to talk about, uh, you know, what I saw from Brody Brecht and Arlen Bruce a couple weeks ago as well. I want to talk about, I want you and I to go back and forth about, um, Waukee defensive back, uh, Aaron Smith, who I think. Uh, is developed into one of the you know premier playmakers all across Iowa high school football. Uh, he is going to be on an Iowa kind of watch, I think, right now. And I, I think that he uh, – I think that Iowa should offer him, but we'll see what happens there. But, Sean, well, let's just dive into, right, we kind of uh, – we got to hear from a lot of the Iowa players and coaches last week for the first time. It was obviously Brian Ferentz's first public comments post-racial disparities. Uh, I feel like we'd be immature to not – touch on this at least because it was a big deal uh but we won't do an entire focus segment on it. uh but basically sean i mean i i was very surprised by brian's apology uh within 27 seconds no excuse me 17 seconds of starting the apology he said i'm deeply sorry if you didn't feel valued on a human level talked about having more empathy talking about how he wants it's not about what he says it's about how is the player or the person receiving the information which I think was a big step in the right direction. And something that kind of stuck out to me about that entire thing, Sean, was when you said, it's not about where are we now, it's about where are we going to be a year from now. And I think that's a very, very important distinction. Now, this doesn't, obviously, what I'm saying here does not dismiss what, you know, all the allegations that came forth back in June and his name being mentioned. But I'm also a believer that, if he can follow up with actions based on his words from the apology, I think he took a big step in the right direction to regaining public trust uh, with, with his comments last Thursday. I, I was very surprised how much accountability uh, he took. Definitely, definitely. And you could see the emotion, too, in the video. Um, I mean, people kind of talk about football coaches, especially like Brian Parents being these tough, tough guys that really – don't really get into their emotions a little bit, but I mean, just watching the video and Dave, obviously you were there just seeing kind of the emotion that he had. I mean, he didn't break down crying or anything, but like he was just very, it just seemed very, very sincere. And I think that's all you can ask for. Um, Obviously we don't, we don't know. I mean, actions speak a lot louder than words and with everything that's gone on, of course, in terms of proximity of time, like, 
we'll see change. But like he said, I mean, real change is what you see down the line. And if the program, if it can show real change, then I think that's a step in the right direction. Obviously, you don't want to forget about what happened and just everything, all the allegations and stuff. But um, you just you just take that in and just realize, like, hey, like, it's happened. Like, we can learn from it. We became a better program from it. And I think that's all you can ask. And that's what we've seen to start out this year. I mean, the players have talked about it. Media has talked about it. Coaches have talked about it. It's a better atmosphere around there. Everyone seems closer. Um, not saying it's better that this happened to the program, but I think it definitely made people way more aware of everything that's gone on in our world and inside the program that it's been better for the program to go through this. And, I mean, that player for the former players that went through it, allegations and that that stuff's never right. Like, mm-hmm. you never want someone to go through that. But – I just think at the end of the day, you got to look at it as, as, hey, like, it happened. We've learned from it. We're making change from it. And that's all you can ask for right now. Exactly. And it's one of those things, Sean, where people should be grateful and applaud the players that came forward for bringing it to light so that change can actually be manufactured from those those experiences. And I think that's the most important part – of everything, but I wanted to touch on that, Sean, but let's, let's dive into both sides of the ball. Now uh, looking ahead to Purdue 10 days away. I'm very excited about this week one matchup, Sean, because I think it's going to tell us a lot about Iowa's defense, especially with Rondale Moore and David Bell and Rondale Moore is coming back on a mission. Uh, And I'm interested to see what Iowa's defense uh, will look like. So Sean, I think the number one thing I took away from Phil Parker speaking that surprised me at least was when he said, the linebackers were the strength of the defense. Now, there's a lot of talent in the linebacker, and we're not, I'm not saying there isn't. But for Jimon Colbert, who opted out, started 22 career games, has been a stable weak side linebacker, and losing Christian Welch, who was a very, very, I think, undervalued part of Iowa's defense last year. Uh, for Jack Campbell to make that sort of impact with Seth Benson, who has apparently been uh, great at forcing fumbles in practice. You get guys like Justin Jacobs, fifth-year senior, uh, Barrington Wade also in the mix. To say that the linebackers have emerged, I think is a really, really big deal. And on top of that, Sean, I want to get your uh, kind of reaction on this too. I touched on this in my three thoughts of Iowa's first depth chart, which we probably should get into as well. But I think single-handedly the most important player for this Iowa defense to make it go from good to potentially – I won't say great, but great is it's, it's Kevon Merriweather because if Kevon Merriweather can emerge at that safety spot next to Jack Kerner, who, by the way, it's incredible that he's ready to go. And I'm, I'm so happy for him and his family that he's going to be ready to play football. If Kevon Merriweather can emerge at that safety spot, that's going to take a, alleviate a lot of pressure off Dane Belton. And it can leave Dane Belton in that four, two, five, when he plays that cash position, which it, again, it takes a lot of pressure off him, and he can excel there, and that just puts more athleticism uh, on the field. And they've liked the way Merriweather's progressed, but I really do think he's the most important part to making Iowa's defense work, especially if they want to play more four-two-five than a traditional four-three. Oh, definitely. I think you look at Iowa's defense too when he's on the field, and I don't think there's a question in anybody's mind that he's the most athletic guy on the defense, and. Jack Kern, I mean, not the most athletic kid, but hard-nosed football player, understands everything on the field, knows what's going on. Dane Belton is the same way. Could get a little better in coverage here and there, but overall an athletic, strong guy. And I think you're looking at the secondary, and there's no doubt about it that Kayvon is the most athletic and could be one of the biggest playmakers on that defense next year because of that athleticism. And I think I think that's a fair point, Dave. I think a lot of people are talking about – um, Chauncey Golston being that guy on the edge is the most important part of the defense. And that makes sense. But I think you look at the defensive line and they're a little more well-rounded than some of the other position groups or at least a little more polished. Now I know there's some question marks up front with who's going to be where. I mean, Davion Nixon's poised to break out. Jack Heflin, we've heard good things about him. Um, John Wagner, Joe Evans, those guys, they have experience. But I mean, they're really going to be in that star role. And then 
Uh, Phil Parker said the linebackers were also really looking solid. I mean, Nick Neiman, obviously, we know what he brings. Jimon Colbert opting out. Jack Campbell is a guy that we've been high on um, for a while now. Was a four-star by 24-7 sports. I believe we were the only recruiting service to rank him as a four-star. And um, Just the way he's able to cover is impressive. Justin Jacobs as well, All-American Bowl. Um, there's a lot, a lot of upside and a lot of speed on this defense, honestly. And I think if you get a guy like Kayvon Merriweather – who can play that safety spot and really tops off that athleticism, then you got a lot of work with. I know Reggie Bracey was a guy that um, I believe Kerner, Jack Kerner mentioned as someone who can make an impact at either safety or one of the mm-hmm. cash at cash. Um, so that's another option you have there. But I think just in terms of athleticism and upside, like Kayvon Merriweather has all of those that you want. And we saw last year, I mean, in the limited time we saw him, against Miami, Ohio in the season opener. Like there was a couple couple of mistakes here and there. Um Phil Parker was getting on him a few times, but just the words that came out of Phil Parker's mouth last Thursday where he said like, look, like he's matured. Like, I mean there's still something he implied that there's still some things to work on. But overall as a football player and just as a person in general, like he's found ways to mature. And I think that's all you can ask with a guy of that sort of um just skill set. I mean we saw last year, like he had some hiccups, but if he can find a way to really turn those around and get on the field, then that's going to be super promising for this Iowa team because that just adds a whole nother element of athleticism, just overall speed on your defense. And remember, Iowa took a flyer on him. Like he was the signing day surprise to everyone because keep in mind, he was a D1 basketball prospect and Iowa got him on campus late. He committed on signing day and ended up signing to Iowa. Uh, but he hasn't even played football for that long. I mean, I think what, Sean, he played his senior year. I think he played as a junior as well. But he didn't play freshman, sophomore football. Uh, he didn't play middle, high, middle school football. Like, he's still very new to football. Um, but like, like you said, he's an athletic guy. And if he has matured and he's fully healthy, because keep in mind, that is why he redshirted last year. She just struggled with minor foot injuries here and there. Um, but, yeah, I think if he can emerge at that safety spot, I think that's going to be absolutely massive for Iowa. Because, again, Dane Belton at cash. Uh, Reggie Bracey is a guy that you and I, I think, have both said on the record, Sean, that we wouldn't have been surprised if he did find his way in the rotation uh, as a true freshman because he was very, I think, under – I want to say undervalued by recruiting services. But I think he's a guy who should have gotten a lot more Power 5 offers. I mean, he is just a good, solid football player. Um, and I think he will make an impact on Iowa and future teams for sure. I don't – I don't talking about Bracey, I don't think he was underappreciated by recruiting service. I think he was more underappreciated by college coaches because yes, – yep that's, yep, that's what I meant too. He, exactly. was, he was injured his junior year. Iowa and Indiana were the only power five offers for him. But once he committed to Iowa and really started to show out his senior year – there were more SEC, ACC schools showing interest in him that were talking to him being like, hey, like, come on campus, like, whatever. He was like, no, I'm all in with Iowa. So that's definitely noticeable to the kind of player that Reggie Bracey could be. I mean, I didn't receive word of which programs there are. I mean, I have a good idea of which ones. But still, I mean, the co- the colleges saw it. They just saw it later than Iowa did and Indiana did. So sure. that's that's all you need to know with that. Yeah, exactly. And Iowa's not afraid to take a flyer on a guy that where if they like the film and they're sold on him as a person, despite injuries, they'll offer. I mean, that, that's just what they've traditionally shown. It, again, it, it paid off for them with Reggie Bracey. Uh, but, Sean, looking back at the secondary start, we're getting the defensive line. Uh, right now, I think there's a solidified top three amongst defensive backs. I think right now, if the game was tomorrow, I think they're going to start Riley Moss. I think they're going to start – uh, Matt Hankins, but I think Julius Brents is right behind. I think he's going to be that third cornerback. Uh, maybe a guy like uh, Deron McKinney, Terry Roberts, or Jamari Harris can also compete for time. But I think we are going to see a lot of Julius Brents if he's healthy this year. And look, I, I still think he can be a guy that can break out. I think he is a potential uh, NFL defensive back, maybe not a starter, but with his, with his coverage ability, with his size, with his tackling, uh, he was a heck of a high school talent as well. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him emerge, um, especially after next year. I think when Matt Hankins, uh, if Matt Hankins doesn't return for a fifth year, which obviously I'd be a little bit surprised if that were to happen. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. 
But I think from what I'd gathered, those are the top three guys right now. But again, I think Riley Moss will start, and I think that Matt Hankins will start. And I think Matt Hankins needs a big year, Sean. And keep in mind, remember last year during the Purdue game, Matt Hankins, I believe it was last year, it was either that or two years ago, Matt Hankins was actually benched against Purdue, and Riley Moss came in for him. Um, so I think Matt Hankins is coming, you know, to the season opener with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and a sour taste in his mouth uh, after being benched against Purdue. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think he's kind of looking at what Michael Ojemudia did last year. I mean, no one really expected Michael Ojemudia to end up in the third round. Obviously, a lot of postseason kind of stuff, like I think a pro day and um, some of the things he went to really helped boost his stock. But I think Hankins could be that guy in the secondary that comes on um, later on. I'm not saying he's going to be like a Josh Jackson where he gets all those interceptions, but I think he's going to be a late riser guy as we've seen with some of these other defensive backs in recent years, like maybe even, or I shouldn't say late risers, but like a breakout sort of in a way. Sure. Um, Cause I think he's poised for that. I mean, look, we saw it last year with Geno Stone, saw it last year with Michael Ojemudia, saw it a couple of years ago, with Josh Jackson. I don't know if you consider really Desmond King kind of a late riser guy, um, but he's the guy that really bursted onto the scene. Um, yeah, that, that's an interesting question i would say just because desmond king played a lot as a freshman he had that experience but i guess nobody really expected him to you know have the type of season he did in his junior year that but i i see where you're going with it yeah so i think he could be that guy in the secondary that really really emerges um as sort of that next you know breakout defensive back sort of guy this season and he's gonna need to because it's his last year i mean i know the eligibility thing um which i guess we'll talk about later could play a factor here but i think this could be a really big year for him to kind of prove what he can do because i mean he has the athleticism he has the length um he's got like the body for it he's got to get he's got the ojamu like him and michael ojamudia are built pretty similarly both athletic guys too it's just a matter of can he put it together in this year and really be that sort of breakout guy um that we could see that we've seen in recent years no, definitely. And it'll be interesting to see what Matt Hankins can do because, like you mentioned, he has a wealth of experience. And if he is ever going to, you know, I think make that big-time impact, not saying he hasn't, but in terms of playmaking and really emerging, it has to be this year. Uh, quickly hopping on the defensive line, Sean, I, I'm very interested to see what Jay Neiman and Kelvin Bell elected to do because there are so many guys, I think, that, ha that can play. But at the same time, I'm not sure of how many guys they will play. I mean, I, I wrote about – John Wagner last week, I think he's one of the most indispensable Hawkeyes. I think he could be on the opposite end of Chauncey Golson. I still think his ceiling's more of an end than a, than a defensive tackle, but I think he's ending, he will end up playing uh, inside and outside. Look at a guy like Zach Van Valkenburg, the Division II Hillsdale College transfer. Uh, he's listed as a starter. Joe Evans, they've said they think can be a three-down defensive end. Uh, former you know, walk-on from Ames, linebacker, switch to defensive end. Finished second on the team last year in sacks and really made some big plays uh, down the stretch for Iowa. Uh, Logan Lee's another guy that's been emerging on the edge and inside. They've been really high on him. Then, uh, of course, you mentioned Davion Nixon, who I think could be – again, I don't really want to call it the breakout season because he had such a big year last year, but I think he's the guy that can put together a really quality season. Jack Heflin, the Northern Illinois transfer. Uh, Noah Shannon, Austin Schulte will also be in the mix, so – I mean, Sean, at least from my vantage point, I mean, you're looking at a solid eight to ten guys that seriously uh, are going to play if, they, if Kelvin and Jay don't develop a tier list. Um, and I'm really interested to see how often they're going to rotate. How many snaps is Chauncey Golston going to play? Is he going to be an uh, AJ Epinesa-type usage? Or are they going to really kind of limit him? Uh, because I think Chauncey Golston being a fifth-year senior, 
he's going to want to get as many snaps as possible, especially with the shortened season, because he wants to improve his NFL draft stock. Um, and, and again, I still think I've been kind of waiting for him to, to, to break out. And if he is ever going to break out, I'm talking like, you know, seven, eight, seven sacks, seven, eight sacks. It, it's got to be this year because I don't see a scenario where he returns for a sixth season just because of the shelf life uh, of NFL players. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you said eight to ten. I correct me if I'm wrong, but I was listening over to the press conference the other day, and Kelvin Bell kind of sounded like I wouldn't say pessimistic, but he was kind of eerie, like weary about because someone brought up like you have yeah. eight to ten guys. Yep. He was kind of like, eh, like I don't know about eight to ten. Like I, no, I don't know. That, maybe that's, that's just my me. thing too. You're exactly right, Sean. But my point is. I don't know who you rule out right now because all of those guys have been named and all those guys have been mentioned. So who do you rule out for getting the snaps? And and so many of them have actually playing time. Right. But I think like it's most like they're like, that's the strength of the defense. Like the, the front four, like the four starters are the best, but like in terms of six to 10, it's kind of, or eight to 10, I'm kind of like, ah, I kind of agree with Calvin. It's like, I mean, obviously we're not in practice every day. Like we hear stuff, but coaches are the ones that comes up with the decisions so I don't know like I feel like like I like what they have up front right now and the potential for it but like Kelvin I mean I think I got to go with his word and saying like I don't know like if we'll have like that many guys yeah I I don't know maybe maybe I'm just overthinking it who knows no and I I think there's a couple things I think Kelvin didn't want to guarantee there would be that many players in the rotation they still might but I, and I'm not saying they will do it either, Sean. I guess my thing is I don't know who you rule out right now because of those guys. Like Logan Lee's been praised. I think Logan Lee will get time. Chauncey Golston's obviously getting time. And then I mean we haven't even mentioned Matt Lorbeck. I mean Matt Lorbeck can play the Northern Illinois transfer. I believe he can play as well since it's a free year of eligibility. Um, so I mean, man, I, I'll tell you what I you know granted. If I was in practice every day, I think I'd be able to differentiate. But there's going to be some tough decisions, I think, that uh, that the two of them will have to make. So that will be something to keep an eye on, especially opening day uh, against Purdue 10 days from now. But, Sean, let, let's flip over the offensive side of the ball. We kind of dove into the defense a little bit. Uh, not, not really too much surprise, I guess, I, I would say, uh, from coaches and the players. I think Spencer Petrus is he's as ready as we kind of talked about I think last week or so. He he's basically as ready as ready can be. I mean, there's gonna be no crowds. He has chemistry with the wide receivers. The wide receivers have been in the bunch. Charlie Jones, the Buffalo transfer who's walking on to Iowa, uh, is making plays in practice. I'm interested to see if he can emerge as that fifth wide receiver potentially. Uh, Brandon Smith said he felt like he left a lot on the table last year. I think that's a very good sign for for Iowa and a confidence booster for Petrus because Brandon's coming in with something that he feels like he has to prove. Um, I don't know, Sean. I, I think that the biggest surprise to me would be two things. One, Brian Ferentz describing as, you know, he's Brian Ferentz isn't exactly the guy that lobs praise all the time to his players. He likes to keep egos in check, but he called the running back room dynamic. He called, said the depth that they have is dynamic. Obviously, it's led by Tyler Goodson, who I thought handled himself very well in the opening press conference. Praised Makai Sargent. Seemed very excited heading into the year. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how they split carries, especially with Ivory Kelly Martin back in the mix, because I have to imagine he'll be getting some time as well. I think right now, Sean, the, the offensive line, the question marks surrounding the offensive line, uh, it's probably the number one story that I'm looking at right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we talked about – we've talked about a quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Now it's just like who's going to be where on the offensive line. I mean, I don't remember exactly what – was it Brian or Kirk that mentioned? Kronk would probably be at one of the tackle spots. I think it, I'm fairly certain – it was Brian. I'm fairly certain it was yeah. Brian. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I've, I mentioned it too on our message boards that – um, a big reason for why I mentioned Kronk at guard is because that's probably where he'll end up playing at the NFL. Um, I don't know exactly why, but that's just what I've heard. Like, I feel like it makes a lot of sense for what he brings and just size in general, kind of just how he's shaped. Um, so that's why I've kind of brought up guard a lot. But, yeah, I think, 
I think the offensive line, just the depth chart that we saw, I think it was kind of interesting. I mean, you have Luke Empen on there, um, a walk-on from the Clinton area, which I thought, which I mean, no one really expected. But I think, too, with the depth chart, I think offensive line still working things out a little bit. I remember Tim Polisek saying last year that they were still kind of working some things out, and that was in media day. Granted, that was in August, but yeah. still, I mean, same time frame from now, relatively speaking. Um, so I still think there's some that things that need to be worked out. I mean, we've seen it too throughout the season. Like, you never know. Like, God forbid injuries, but, like, you never know what's going to happen with injuries too. And we saw last year Tristan Worst moving from – went from right tackle to left tackle with Larry Jackson going down. Um, we saw Mark Kellenberg who play either guard or tackle. Um, who else is there? I mean – Justin Britt coming in like there were guys moving all over the place it seemed so we don't that's offensive line is so fluid especially with how many guys Iowa has that's like hard to really pinpoint like an area where you're like okay like I mean there's gonna be questions all over the offensive line outside of really left tackle with Larry Jackson and we know what Coy Kronk bought but like that's just gonna be it's just gonna be different with him on the line there so Here's my thing, Sean, and this is – I think to your point, I think you bring up that Coy Kronk and the NFL scouts want to see him play guard because that's where he would probably play in the NFL. If I remember correctly, I'll have to go back and look at this. A main reason why he ended up transferring from Indiana was because I, – I, I wish I could remember the guy's name who took over after Coy went down with that injury. But the guy did well enough, and they wanted to move Coy Kronk inside the guard, and he did not want that. He wants to play tackle. I don't know if his mindset has changed. We have not been able to talk to him about that. And I'm sure at this point he would be willing to. Uh, but like you mentioned, Brian said he would be on the opposite tackle side of that. And I think there's a big battle for guard right now. If I had to take a guess uh, what it would look like, like I, I don't think what's on the depth chart, Sean, is the way it would actually work out right now. So – I got left tackle, my starting five. Well, I think this is how I think it'll happen. Left tackle, Alaric Jackson. Right tackle, Coy Cronk would get the start. Obviously, center, you get Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, and guard, I think you get Kyler Schott, and I think you get Mark Kallenberger. Uh, Cody Ince probably directly behind. Justin Britt probably just behind. But I'm very interested to see what they do with Justin Britt just because of the whole title Linderbaum situation. I'll pose that question to you in a minute. But I think that's the way the starting five would work out. And then everything else I think is fairly set in stone. Goodson starting running back, uh, tight ends. It's going to be Sean Byer. It's going to be Sam Laporta. There's still a battle for that third tight end spot. And I'll tell you, Sean, this is not based off anything I'm hearing. I'm just making a fl – I'm going out on a flyer. I think that Elijah Elberton does emerge at that third spot. I just – I love what I saw out of him in high school and getting on campus early, even though that didn't really mean much. I, I, I like what I saw out of him. Josiah Meeman will have a shot. We'll see what happens with Luke Lachey, obviously. But um, – yeah, everything else is pretty much set in stone. But I, I really do think right now Kallenberger would start at left at, uh, uh, right guard, and I think Coy would get the start at right tackle. Yeah, no, that's a fair assessment. I I just don't really want to assume because, I mean, I think, I think I'd be in the same boat as you, though, as far as projections. And I think you could put Justin Britt at either one of those – center or either one of those guard positions and even like a no offense too I don't know if he is listed at guard or backup center um don't have the depth chart right in front of me but yeah I think uh, there's just... he's the backup to at right guard behind okay. uh shooter okay so yeah I mean there's so many different ways that you could go with that. I think the tackles seem pretty set I think what you have at guard too at least you got options like that's that's as like as long as you got options and that's that's intriguing, that's fine. Um, so we'll see. I think I think I don't know. I don't want to say it'll be like last year with like some of the inconsistencies they had, but I do think like there'll be some there'll be some movement throughout the season. If you know what I mean. No, definitely, and I and I agree with you one hundred percent. And Sean, I mean, 
I, we've talked enough about the wide receivers. We'll get into that during our preview pod next week because I think that's going to be a huge um, podcast. We'll really give our season predictions and stuff. Uh, I thought about doing that today, but I want to wait one more week. But I during our VIP chat, Sean, I, I loved this question, and I, I don't know if I got your take on it. Besides quarterback, who is the one player that cannot uh, – you know, let's not use injured. Let's say, uh, you know, get again – knock on wood, gets COVID. Who's the one player or one position you could see where you could say, damn, that's a tough blow? I'd say, I mean, I know I was options on the offensive line, but I got to go with Alaric Jackson um, at left tackle. Now, I think the reason for that is because, I mean, you could move Coy Kronk over there, sure but I just feel like he's such an asset to the offensive line just from a leadership standpoint and just from a skill standpoint too. I mean, he's probably got the most experience, definitely has the most experience among Iowa players on the line right now at Iowa. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's a guy you can lose. And I mean, that left tackle position is so important, especially with a young quarterback. Um, so I think that is probably the one I'd have to say. Um, defensively, I'm going to go with Nick Neiman because I, yep. he's such a veteran presence and with the young guys that they have, I mean, Barrington Wade's been in the program for a bit, but he hasn't really gotten much at linebacker. Um, and you just really don't have much experience behind Neiman. So I think those are the main guys I'm going with. It's interesting. I like the Alaric Jackson thing too. And th that reminds me, Sean, keep in mind, Alaric Jackson's a vegan now. And <laughs> it's, it's interesting when you just watch his interview uh, that he did with us, I think it was on Tuesday. He looks slimmer. I mean, he looks better. Uh, he's, he shed some of that bad weight and that was something that NFL scouts wanted him to do. Uh, Tim Paulsek, Brian Ferentz said he's quicker. He has more energy during morning workouts and, you know, I think that's a huge thing, Sean, and I, I, I believe I brought this up a couple different times, but the fact is, remember, last year, it was your last year, two years ago, uh, Alaric Jackson got continued to get beat by you to your gross mottos from uh, Penn State. I mean, mottos, gross mottos had a huge game. Alaric just couldn't keep up with him. He's quicker, and he can get off the line of scrimmage faster. That is less likely to happen now based on, you know, the praise that's been lofted his way. Um, but to, answer, to go back to my original question, Sean, I think that Nick Neiman, I think, I think I wrote that as well in the VIP chat for defense for offense. I stay on the offensive line. I went with Tyler Linderbaum just because of how dynamic Linderbaum was last year. And now he's on the um, Remington watch list. Now that that's officially come out this afternoon. Uh, as the nation's top center, he's getting buzz as, you know, a top two round caliber guy uh, was a great second level blocker. Uh, didn't have many botched snaps last year, which I think is an incredibly big key for, a, from a new center, great pad level, great aggression, pancake blocks, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I don't know what they would do if they didn't have Ty Linderbaum at center. I mean, maybe you throw Justin Britton there. Uh, but, you know, I think it might get a little bit dicey, uh, if Linderbaum is out, but like I mentioned, we'll get much more in the offense, uh, offense next week. When we go uh, offense versus defense previews. And obviously we've talked plenty about the wide receivers, talked about the running backs, uh, Sean, big news in basketball just today. Uh, Iowa, along with rest of college basketball, this is the first day of officially starting practice for the 2020 season. I believe they have a lot of maximum 30 practices they can do in the next 42 days uh, before tip-off. And while the schedule is not finalized, I think it's important that we kind of uh, banter back and forth about this Iowa basketball team. We have a couple of really interesting questions from our mailbag. But, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll start with the news of the day. John Rothstein, CBS Sports College Basketball Insider, reported that uh, Iowa Ford Jack Nungy is fully – cleared for basketball activities. It's something that uh, I've been hinting on our VIP message board for the past three weeks. He was on pace and on schedule to be fully cleared today, and, and he officially is. And I think that is, while expected, Sean, big news for Iowa basketball. Yeah, definitely. Just to have him back in the fold, um, especially, I mean, the season's coming up pretty fast. So 
just having him in the fold and just having another experience, um, like just having another experienced front court player up there is huge. And we've talked about before, Luca Garza is obviously going to be the centerpiece this year. Jack Nungy's that other ticket. I mean, who knows how much we'll see of them on the floor together. But Josh Ogundele, I mean, he got to Iowa City late. Like, we don't really know what's going to be what's going to be his role this year. I mean, Fran said he's going to start him out slow. That's what they've been doing. So, we'll see. I mean, I think it's just a big – I think it's just big to have that. I think it's big for Jack, too, to have that confidence to be back because we've heard so much about him over the past two years. Obviously, with the redshirt season, he has a sophomore. Caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, and CJ talked about, too, on the Swarmcast with you, David, just the progress that Jack's made and just how he's able he was able to put things together, playing, like, honestly, like an NBA player is what CJ said. And then was playing fine a little bit to start the season. Um, obviously, it's tough with a guy like Luca the way he's played. But um, average, I think, like six points per game. Had a couple of good games. Didn't shoot as well, maybe, as he'd like from perimeter and just the field in general. Um, but – went down with that injury and I think the fifth game of the season and was out for the rest of the year. So just seeing the rehab that he's gone through, it's really good to see. I mean, really doesn't have like a normal track to rehab with everything that's gone on. So I think maybe his recovery didn't go as smooth as maybe he would expected it to. Maybe it was off a little bit. So it's good. I mean, Fran always doesn't like to rush players back to like, he likes to be cautious about it. Um, Especially an ACL injury. You don't want, you don't want anything – you don't want those to happen again, so you really got to be careful with it too. Mm-hmm. Um, so just having him back, I'm sure, it just feels good for everyone's confidence there. And it's just huge for Iowa. I mean, just as, as having another uh, big man, I mean, that Iowa I think needs, especially with Ryan Creener departing, uh, now playing professionally overseas. They're going to need another big body, and we'll see what happens with Josh Ogundele, and we'll have to – we'll talk about that here. Uh, in a minute but yeah like you mentioned uh, CJ Frederick Iowa redshirt sophomore guard very complimentary toward Jack Nungy and said he was one of the most consistent players in practice along with Luca now they don't even need Jack to be the player that CJ talked about if if Jack can give you 20 you know 18 to 22 minutes a game or so can get you seven and a half eight points maybe a, the occasional 10 grab six rebounds maybe block a shot or two that is an absolutely massive addition uh, for Iowa for for Iowa's team this year, just in terms of having that versatility and that size in there. And I think now, Sean, we can officially say again, knock on wood, Iowa basketball is you know fully healthy. I mean, they were so beat up last year with injuries. Jordan Bohan's back, say he's in the best shape of his life uh, after two hip surgeries over the last two years. C.J. Frederick had that offseason uh, ankle surgery. He said he's back to a hundred percent. Now Jack Nungy's back. Uh, Luca Garza obviously wasn't I, – I think he was playing at probably 90% last year. I mean, he got beat up as you know as much as any player probably in the country uh, last season. So I'm very interested to see if that leads to Iowa being better defensively, which obviously is going to be the biggest key behind everything. But, uh, yeah, I think having Jack Nungy back is huge. Now the real work begins uh, for the team. But, uh, you know, and I, I want to get into Fran's comments last week, too, that really kind of stuck out to me. And I think this is one of our questions, too, that we had in our mailbag. But Fran had mentioned there were two players that are probably going to play right now of the five freshmen. I think I have an idea of which ones they are. But at the same time, Sean, I need to look in this rule, maybe the more specifics of this a little bit more. But assuming the winter eligibility – passes and stays on schedule right what's the point of redshirting anybody this year this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I mean, there, I, really I, is, there really is none. So, 
you know, as far as that goes, if that passes, I don't, maybe Iowa doesn't redshirt anybody at all. Um, again, it, it, it makes the most sense to me. And again, that does not mean that everybody's going to play, but you don't rule them out, you know, with all the uncertainties going on and what you know, college basketball season might look like. So Sean, I know you, you've been all over this uh, a little bit and I kind of want to talk about just the freshman class a little bit. Fran McCaffrey said that he wishes they had an easier time transitioning and had a more normal college experience, uh, you know, as far as the high school college transition but he said he's been incredibly proud of the professionalism and the maturity uh, that his guys have had. Uh, but what, what are you kind of hearing about some of, some of Iowa's freshmen, how they've kind of performed in off-season workouts and how they might fit in this year? Yeah, so, I mean, with the, with the two guards, Aaron Eulis and Tony Perkins, I think coming from great high school programs, Marion Catholic, one of the best in Illinois, Lawrence North, usually a powerhouse down there in Indianapolis – had a real solid chance of potentially winning the 4A state championship in Indiana, which is a big deal. Um, ended up not happening because of COVID, short or canceling the rest of the postseason. Um, I think that's first what you're getting. I've heard these guys are competitors, they're winners. They do a lot of things well in the court, and their teammates love playing with them. I'm sure you've heard the same things, David. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just a lot of like these about these two is from a system standpoint. Because they're guys that are not going to try and force shots. They're not going to be guys to play outside of themselves. They're going to play within the offense, play within the system. And they're guys that can defend, too. Aaron, I was impressed with his improvement on the defensive end as he got better. I mean, his jump shot has always been something that was a struggle of his. But towards his senior year, that was really probably one of his strengths of his games with his improved form. Um, and just the way he can factor into an offense, too. He makes the extra pass, knows how to move the ball well in the offense. Same thing with Tony. I mean, Tony gets a lot of love for his athleticism and his leaping ability. But I think just his way to fit into a system and just fit into what Iowa wants to do and what Fran Lint wants to do. I mean, he comes from a really athletic team, a team that like to push, push the tempo. I think that's why he'd be such a good fit in Iowa City. Not necessarily a super impact guy, but I think a guy you could put in there to defend, maybe a quicker guard, maybe a scoring guard, and really be like, okay, just stay on him on defense. Like, don't let him go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's what kind of the role he's going to have earlier in his career. Then I think once he improves as more of a scorer, I think he can maybe average around, I don't know, like 10, 12 points a game time when his junior, senior year comes. Um, I think that's best. At this point, who know, who really knows at this point? Um, so those are the two guards. Josh, we touched on him earlier. He's got upside, but I think there's still some things, in, like Fran said, conditioning is something he needs to improve on. Um, his outside shot, I mean, in high school, he looked to be more of an interior big, but I think his outside shot is something that he's really been improving on. I mean, now we don't really know um, how much he'll use it in his college career, I think. He'll mainly be used as kind of an interior threat, but that's something that could come along like later on in his career. And then the Murray twins, I I was told before like workouts and stuff that Keegan was probably going to work at the three while Chris was at more of the four. I think that's what kind of suits their games more. But I think in the long, or especially this year, I think both those guys are going to work more of that four spot because with Iowa and their kind of slim depth um, in the front court, you don't really want to run two bigs up there because I think I saw, I was looking at some stuff earlier today um, and we saw that, or I read that Iowa wasn't great last year. I mean, not, I mean, they weren't great defensively as a team, but they weren't very good at all when they had two bigs on the floor. And I think with having versatile wings, like, like a Patrick McCaffrey and Keegan Murray, Chris Murray at the three and four, I think you can kind of get away from, doing those two-man sets or those two big-man sure. um, rotations. I mean, it's going to happen evidently because Luca Garza is going to be playing, what, 30 to 35 minutes a game, um, and you want to get Nunji in there for at least, like, 15, 20. So we'll see what happens. But I think that's kind of what I'm hearing on the freshman at this point. Um, Keegan's shot's looking really good. Chris is doing what he can down low. Both have put on some pretty good weight. Um and kind of starting to really look like big time players, which we couldn't say as high when they were in high school. They were very thin. Um, 
just tall and lengthy, but now they seem to really be doing better battling down low and just using their strength to their advantage because you're going to need that in a physical conference like the Big Ten. No, and I think you summed up pretty well, Sean. I mean, th- those are very similar things what I'm hearing. Aaron Eulis has been selfless. Tony Perkins fits in Iowa's system, I think, perfectly. And he really had a massive senior year. I mean, he was shooting the ball much better from deep. Uh, in, I think he was runner-up in Mr. Basketball uh, in Indiana, if I, if, I, if I recall correctly, right? Who, Perkins? Uh, uh, Perkins. Yeah, I believe. Runner-up Mr. Basketball, Indiana. He's either runner-up or third. I mean – I think he was running up behind uh, Trey Gal or Anthony Leal, who's at yes. Indiana. Yep, I think I mean, that's... it was it was only it was only right that a kid from Bloomington South High School who's going to Indiana wins Mr. Basketball. So <laughs> that's that's all I have to say about it. Anthony's yeah. a great player, but I think Tony probably got snubbed a little bit. I think that that's that was a very popular thing I had been hearing too, and when I was reading on social media. But yeah, Josh Ogundale. I my thing is. Does Iowa need a third big in the rotation just to do crucial minutes? And I think that's something that Frank McCaffrey and company are going to have to answer. Connor's strong enough to play the four. They have options at the four. And if those guys can emerge, if Patrick McCaffrey can handle that physicality down there, maybe you don't need to play Josh right away. If they can't, then I think they need to play him. Uh, The Murray Twins, I'm interested to see if they do get minutes uh, sparingly here and there. But they're going to be a huge part of the team, I think, next year, uh, depending on a lot of things. But, um, yeah, I mean, as far as who plays or not, I think anyone's guess is as good as mine right now because I could see scenarios where literally all five of the players play. And it's crazy to say that considering Iowa still has a top eight, I think, established right now. But you still need guys to be available and still need guys to potentially play sparingly. The question is who's going to be playing sparingly. If I had to do a way too early prediction, I think Tony Perkins would have a good shot. I'll, I'll put Josh Ogundale in there too right now. I know he's got ways to go, but they might just need him to play. Um, and maybe an Aaron Eulis. The Murray Twins, I think, are the biggest question mark for me right now at this stage of the game. Uh, but, Sean, let, let's go on our last few minutes we have here. Let's answer some uh, questions we have. In the mailbag, I really like this question, too. I'll, I'll pose it to you. If I, if I need to start, I will. Maybe give you a second to think about it. But if you're ready, then go for it. So, everyone knows what Iowa's ceiling is. That's all a lot of people have talked about. What's the floor for Iowa this year? Now, before you answer that, I want to make clear, uh, at least in my, in my sort of engagement and the way I answer these questions, I hate taking injuries into account or predicting players go down or saying what if players go down. I don't want to do that as far as floor goes. Assuming everybody stays healthy, what's the floor for Iowa? Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Fringe top 25. Fringe top 25. So, six seed, I think, coming to the tournament time. Maybe seven. That's pretty that might... similar to what I think, too. Yeah, I just, I just can't go over the defensive – mishaps like I was going through um synergy the other day like just watching games from last year because I had nothing else to do and just some of the defensive lapses man like I just couldn't get over that and I know it's gonna get better I think this year I think I mean that's just why I've heard like there should be improvement but I don't know like that's just a lot for me I just need to see it first and everyone sees it too like just the defense man like they're ranked first offensively by Bart Torvik um, in the country. First or second, I think Gonzaga is actually first when Iowa's second. It could be flip-flop, though. But defensively, they're ranked like 115th. And I've read so many in-depth reviews just being like their defense is just god-awful. And I've seen it, too, on tape. Like, I just can't get over that right now. Like, your offense can only take you so far. Like, defense is gonna what's going to be driving you this year or what's going to be – 
your X factor this year. Um, so right now I'm going to go with like six or sevens. I think a respectable floor. And I've said this too. And by the way, as far as the floor goes, I mean, it really does comes down to two things. It comes down to defense and rebounding. Iowa's offense will be there. It'll be there all year. With the players they got, the shooters they got, I think their offense is the most versatile and the most dangerous in the country as far as the shooters go from the outside. You have the all you have the preseason national player of the year in the middle. I mean, it's going to be dynamic. It's going to be one of the best offenses, I think, last decade of college basketball. But what does that mean if they don't defend and if they don't rebound? Because remember, Sean, when they played zone last year, there were times where teams would miss three shots against Iowa in a row. Same possession. They'd get every board and it'd lead to points. I mean, Fran was frustrated. Everybody was frustrated. I mean, I think he points to the two Purdue games, Exhibit A. Look at the game against Indiana, Exhibit B. I mean, there are times where – rebounding and defense suggests no matter how good your offense is won't matter i think if iowa can be a top 75 defense i think they'll get one or two c in the NCAA tournament that's really all they need they don't even have to be elite they have to be average um but as far as the floor goes i think fringe top 25 team i think a sixth place finish in the big 10 losing the first round i i don't see them doing any worse i i you know, nothing's a guarantee, but I'd be absolutely bewildered and shocked if Iowa didn't make the NCAA tournament, you know, handily. I think they will. I don't think they'll be nervous at all about it. Um, that That's my floor. And if C.J. Frederick has a step back, I think, you know, as far as his quickness goes on defense, I think that'll be a big help. Joe Toussaint showed good flashes on defense last year. I think Jack Nungy's presence defensively can be a massive help on the rebounding and on defense Connor McCaffrey showed some toughness but their rotation their communications it uh it's questionable at best I think that's the biggest thing how many open corner threes did teams get last year it's because they kept getting Luca Garza out of the middle to go close out why I you know we'll see they make the adjustments because right when you do that Sean you have no big man in the middle to rebound and you're making your slowest player go close out in a corner three shooter that's not a recipe for success. And I think that's something that Fran McCaffrey and the Iowa team will have to fix heading into this year. Yep. Transition defense, man. That's what I was talking about too with those, when you go with those two big men sets, I mean, last year in transition when they had like Ryan Greener and Garza on the floor together, like that's not, it was not pretty, especially when teams got in transition, especially when they played against Illinois and some of those other more quick up tempo sort of teams. It was not, not pretty, not pretty. And that's going to be – that defense travels. You you can have as good as an offense as you want, but defense at the end of the day is what travels. So, yeah, that's that's all, that's all I'm going to really – let's, let's switch to now. something. Yeah, let's switch to <laughs> something else. Uh, how many more football commits do you expect in Iowa's 2020 class? Oh, sorry, 2021 class. Um, I think two at most. Two, two or three. It also depends if Iowa ends up, as you guys, if you guys see it on um, Tuesday night, Iowa extended a scout or preferred walk-on opportunity to Ankeny, three-star quarterback, Jace Bauer. And as we know, they have already have a quarterback in the class and four-star Joey Labis out of Ohio. But when I talked to Jace, he said, Neiman, Jay Neiman, in-state recruiter, told him that um, – if he doesn't, he said, if they have a, if they, they could offer him a scholarship if they end up like putting their scholarship somewhere else or if they don't end up using a scholarship for another position. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, when was the last time recently, though? There was a recent time when Iowa took a two quarterback class. Man, I, I'll have to go back on that, Sean. Uh, was I mean, it 2016? Because I don't – did Stanley come in alone or did he come in with – Stanley um, came in alone. Was it 2015 then with Ryan Wait, Boyle and uh, – That's – Tyler Wiegers or was Wiegers 2014? I'm looking that up right now. But, um, but yeah, Sean, I mean, it, uh, it, it'll be interesting too because I think one of the biggest question marks right now is, is Iowa going to end up taking a tight end in the 2021 class? Since James Carney committed to University of Nebraska, that gives them three tight end commits. 
uh, and leaves Iowa with none right now. Uh, I, I've been on the record in reform saying I don't think Iowa should extend a 2021 tight end offer at this point. I, I think they have enough uh, depth. Uh, I think Sean Byer could potentially be a guy that comes back next year. Uh, so I wouldn't rule that off the table either. Um, yeah, and so, my yeah. argument about my argument about the Sam Laporta thing, I mean, you look at the 2019 cycle. Sam Laporta was a late offer guy in December, but – I'm not if I'm not mistaken, Iowa had him in camp that summer too. And this year, I mean, Iowa doesn't have the luxury or any colleges yeah. don't the luxury of having camp. So they don't get a chance to see him in person. And same thing with the state of Illinois too. Like Sam had a crazy breakout season in southern Illinois at Highland High School. Illinois doesn't have high school football till the spring. So that's gonna be that's gonna be something interesting to monitor. I mean who knows if they go after a flyer? I think, I think you can afford to in this cycle, but I also want, but you also don't want to spend a scholarship just because. Like, I mean, I wouldn't say Sam Laporte was a flyer. I mean, he took, <laughs> he's played his true freshman year, um, so I don't know if I consider him a flyer. But I don't know if you want to try and flip a Mac uh, commit. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. Here's, here's the, Laporto is an interesting case that too, Sean, because I, as I wrote you and I, I wrote on our message board as well, right when Laporta signed to Iowa, I got text messages from other media colleagues, not even, you know, outside 24 seven sports, then 24 seven sports saying, this is going to be the next guy in the Iowa tight end line. That's going to be outstanding. He's going to go to the pros and everyone else is going to ask themselves how the hell did they miss that. Last time Iowa took two quarterbacks was in 2015. Drew Cook was technically an athlete. It was uh, Drew Cook and Ryan Boyle. Okay. See, I knew I knew it was Ryan Boyle's class, but I I think I, I think I just got confused because I saw Drew Cook and I was like, I don't know. Well, I just, Drew I went to confused. wide receiver, then they put him to tight end, and they, I mean they moved him around. I think two or three different times. Right, right, right. I think I don't know why I had that in my head that it was Boyle. I know I had a good idea it was Boyle's class, but I I don't know. I I, I thought it was mixing. Tyler too. I yeah, thought it was, I was Boyle together. I, I could have sworn maybe it was like dude, I don't remember. It whatever. <laughs> not important. Uh the other thing is it's just a quick uh answer thing. They asked when Iowa's uh season schedules could be finalized. I'd say two weeks for basketball, two, three weeks. I think we're very, very close. Uh, it's good to depend if the Big Ten has it locked away or if they're going to stick with their original schedule there. But Iowa dumping Oregon State for Gonzaga is obviously a big move. They're working things out with Iowa State. The ACC Big Ten Challenge still needs to make it official. I think Iowa is going to play North Carolina, as Andy Katz predicted a few weeks ago. Uh, so that's what I would say there. But – to wrap this up, Sean, last question. It's something that it's very important. It's so dumb how much I've seen about this on, on social media. Why do people think lots of matzah is a good frozen pizza? Now, I think you told me off, off the record that you've never had it, right? I think I've had it once, but I, the only time like I have frozen pizzas when I come back from the bars at like 1 or 2 a.m. So <laughs> that's like the only time. Like I used to see frozen pizzas a lot like sophomore year and like yeah. junior year. But this year, like I've probably eaten like two or three. You're trying to live a healthier lifestyle, Sean? Yeah, definitely. No, I, I, for real I, though. I, I am too. I am too. I ate way too many of them last year. Uh, I mean, they're so, they were so good as kids, but now you're kind of like you just eat them just because they like they make you full. Well, you just feel gross. Like it feels great for the first couple of bites. And then it just feels like a giant pool of grease is just formed in your stomach. And you just sit there saying, why did I do that? Why right. did I do yeah. that? And you literally feel like death. And like we live, we live like right by come and go too. So like the pizzas, the frozen pizzas there are like, they're like five or six bucks for one when you can get them at like Aldi or Hy-Vee for like, you can get like five for like $5. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That's the thing too. I've slowly but surely started to realize that too much, how much they uh, upcharge at, at, at uh, gas stations rather than like the grocery chain. It's uh, it's interesting to say the least, but yeah, I, I but think we are uh, <laughs> considering lots of matzo, like regarding lots of matzo, like I honestly didn't know what it was. I kind I was really confused at first when David told me about that question. Um, 
so I, I looked at it up and like, I just realized like literally after an hour, you told me, I just realized why they call it lots of matzah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, they put like 10 ounces of cheese on there. I mean, it's insane. Yeah. That's, that's crazy to me. <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> would be a very it's a it's a very 50 50 split on, on twitter that i've seen with that so uh but yeah I, I think i think we're at this point sean i think we're uh we're gonna wrap this up uh, for the week we'll come back next week talk uh iowa purdue and and everything else as uh this is last week before it's actually uh game week sean then we get you know knock on wood nine straight weeks of uh, hawkeye football on saturdays well and fridays and saturdays yeah, so what we're going to try and do pregame podcasts and then we'll try and do um postgame like instant reaction like a few hours after the game. Um because as far as like covering goes I It'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be yeah. an interesting season. But again, that won't be dropping in quantity, won't be dropping in quality. We're still going to provide you the most in-depth live reaction, takes, stories, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, as we always do. So stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 sports for that. And, uh, yeah, that's all from us. Thanks.